Hey, Jordan, you want to hear a fun fact? Uh, sure. Caffeine involved in a coffee bean with some of the greatest antioxidants on the planet. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Let, let, let me cut you off right there. I wasn't done. You see, green tea, another great source of caffeine, evolved with an entirely different set of antioxidants as well. Is this another brain fuel ad? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, well, in that case, brain fuel takes the best of both worlds without the roast or heat that may reduce potency and increase toxicity. It support, it's supportive blends of fuels, antioxidants, and brain-boosting additives create a new paradigm for the effective delivery of caffeine. Not to mention, it is the best-tasting drink I've personally had in a while. To support the heroes who push society forward, challenge the status quo, and initiate a better tomorrow by providing them with the fuel to actualize their best self. If you want to help support our podcast and try Brain Fuel, use code DOME for 20% off your order at BrainFuel.com. That's code DOME, all caps, D-O-M-E, at BrainFuel.com, B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com for 20% off your order. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. I'm here with my co-host. Uh, he's back after a little at, for visiting weekend uh, out of Camp Ojibwa, Eagle River, Wisconsin, place I called home. I still call home. Um, my podcast co-host, my guy, Jordan Goodhart, Jay Z Goody. It's uh, good release. to virtually I'm see back. you again. I know you were taking your. I know you were taking your much needed time off uh, because you didn't want to deal with my my smoke for the last oh, week. But, uh, I woke up this morning ready for the smoke. We got a little early morning pod. We've had some late evening pods. We've had some mid afternoon pods usually, but you know, woke up this morning feeling dangerous. So. You woke up. <laughs> woke up ready to go. Are you? Um, you woke up feeling dangerous and and. Um, you feel secure with the starting spot? You sure you have no other competition with the starting spot? <laughs> yeah, like they got to take my spot. They got to take my spot. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, are you um, uh, are you worried about getting traded for an unconditional fifth round uh, podcast pick? Um, if there's cash considerations involved, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's cash considerations, we'll reach, we'll reach a buyout. We'll reach a buyout. <laughs> uh, oh, hope your uh, I hope your agent doesn't dump you like he like another person I know got dumped last night. That's the weirdest situation I've ever like. I, I mean, I was like not really that focused on like Twitter and stuff last night because I just got home after being gone for a month. So I was like kind of with my family, and then I kind of saw like Westbrook and his agent kind of they split. But apparently, wait. So who was he? Rich Paul or no? No, no. So let me. So I guess this is going to be our first uh, discussion. So last night, I, even though there's no off season, my Los Angeles Lakers, despite that there's no off season, still make moves. This is like an episode. You know that Bleach Report episode called Game of Zones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of felt like a Game of Zones. <laughs> last Friday, when LeBron and Westbrook were at the game. But they were sitting on opposite ends. Braun was sitting behind the basket, and Westbrook was sitting, like, near the Lakers' summer league bench, like, next to it. Mm-hmm. And then last night was the funniest 
Oh my god, I was laughing so. Dude, LeBron's hard. taking shots at him. You see? No, last night, uh, Thad Future, a fa- I don't know how to pronounce that. Thad Foucher, I believe his name was. Mm-hmm. He's an agent at Wasserman Sports uh, Management. It's a very popular agency. And after 14 years, he dumped Russell. No, he didn't dump. I'm just kidding. He they part mutually parted ways. And this quote. Um, this quote by uh, that voucher to explain why this happened is just it is just typical. Mm-hmm. Like this is what Laker fans like kind of are trying to say, and what analysts are trying to say. So the basically the back part bone of this story is that they the fact that Westbrook didn't like the fact that his agent suggested maybe you should adapt to your new role under Darvin Ham. And maybe you could excel in this new role. And this is what um, this is what the agent said. He said, quote, I represented Russell Westbrook for 14 years and am proud of our partnership, which included a highly successful 2008 draft, a super max contract, and the only renegotiation and extend max contract in history. I also supported Russell throughout his rise into a prominent fashion industry figure and recently orchestrated three successive trades on Russell's behalf, culminating with the trade to his hometown Los Angeles Lakers. Each each time, teams gave up valuable players and assets to acquire Russell, and each time a new organization has embraced his arrival. I'm rolling my eyes at that one. We did it together with grace and class. This part, Jordan... Made me laugh out loud. You're gonna hear me out on this. Quote, now with the possibility of a fourth trade in four years, <laughs> the marketplace is telling the Lakers they must add additional value with Russell in any trade scenario. And even then, such a trade may require Russell to immediately move on from the new team via buyout. My belief is that this type of transaction only serves to diminish Russell's value and his best option is to stay with the Lakers, embrace the starting role and support the Dar- that Darvin Ham publicly offered. Russell is a first ballot Naismith basketball hall of famer. I, I kind of concede that and we'll prove that again before he's retired. I won't concede that. Unfortunately, irreconcilable differences exist to his best pathway forward, and we are no longer working together. I wish Russell and his family the very best. I'm sorry, Jordan. I just laughed so hard at that. That was one of the coldest things I've ever heard. Like, the fact that he wrote all of that, trying to sound professional and all that, with the subliminal shots of Russell in it. (laughs) And then at the end, finishing it off with, like, oh, he's he's still going to be great. Good luck to you, Russell, but we're not together anymore. (laughs) It's like, 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 like look, uh, the a the agent, what um, Thad Foucher. I'm sure he's a good agent, um, mm-hmm. but that's a little unprofessional how he handled it. I kind of feel bad for Russell, but he's kind of speaking also somewhat as a Laker fan too, if I had to guess, because they are clearly trying. It the fact that Russell had to do a PR thing and like a tweet saying that's not it at all. He's not requesting a trade from the Lakers. Well, even if he is or isn't, the man doesn't have a choice. He, he's he, They're behind the scenes trying to move you, man. Like, that story that came out last night was just hilarious. It's hilarious 
And the fact that he saying that Russ said that that ain't true. I want to stay. No, <laughs> you're gonna get moved. I mean, it. It's like you said. It's gonna be very hard for him to be moved because of he's gonna have to get bought out by whatever team he goes to probably because no one's gonna take on that contract. Um, so Unless you're a bottom feeder team like the Spurs or the Pacers, I just don't see it. Yeah. I also just don't see Popovich taking a guy like Westbrook when they're trying to rebuild right now, if it's the Spurs. But they'll take his contract. I, I can see bottom feeder teams taking on his contract, but it's uh, yeah. I honestly could see him going like back to the Wizards. <laughs> I, I would personally like to see that him I, in a meaning on a meaningless hmm. team. He could put up all those crazy stat numbers. Well, yeah. I don't even know if he can anymore, considering I saw a loss of athleticism in his age. But yeah. Well, uh, I mean, do, that kind of bleeds into the next thing, like the Kyrie situation. Okay. Now you, this, I know this, you're all over Kyrie to the Lakers, but how do you think that trade happens? Do you think Westbrook's in it? So here's what I have been reading and from what people I talked to at Summer League. So I asked some media people. I'm obviously not going to say their names because of privacy purposes. But when I talked to them, I – casually talked up to a reporter like at summer league that I've admired. And he said, and I said, he's a, he covers the Lakers. And I said, wow, they're trying to make a big splash. He's like, yeah. And then he was looking around, seeing if anybody was there. And he's told me it should happen. If it doesn't happen, it's going to look really bad on the Lakers organization for years. And then another media member uh, that I spoke with, he said that, Rob is so, meaning Rob Palenka, meaning the Lakers general manager, said that he's very desperate right now. And teams notice that he's very desperate. And they know that he wants to make a move. And it's because, and they know that LeBron really wants, West, wants Kyrie Irving instead of Westbrook. And Rob is, and the Lakers are very desperate to a point where there comes a time where I'm not saying now, not today at this time, not at this time that we're recording this podcast, unless I check Twitter and, oh, my God, Kyrie to the Lakers. But there will be a time where Rob will be desperate and he might give up the two first-round picks. I don't think Brooklyn wants him, but maybe they could take on his contract and move him elsewhere, but I don't see that happening either. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've read is that maybe they could get the Spurs involved with the third party, like they could be like sort of the third party between the Lakers and uh, the Nets, maybe work something out there. But from what I've, and from what I've read and from what I've read on, from when listening to Mark Stein podcast and what from I'm reading from a Twitter transcript that Mark Stein and thinks, and it's come to the mind that Kyrie will probably be a Laker sooner. It's just a matter of if not when, but the thing is, if I were like the Lakers right now, is that I would, because it's a desperate situation they're in, and they didn't exactly gain leverage last night <laughs> because of what happened. If I were them right now, it's all about matter of desperate, being desperate. From what I've read today that um, Kyrie wants to stay with the Nets, I, I'm not questioning the reporter's credibility. I'm, he's just reporting from what sources have told him. I don't know exactly if that's necessarily like, I, I'm, I'm sure that the sort that he's reporting, he's doing his job, but I don't know if the sources were telling the reporter the right information, I would say. And I don't know if 
I don't know what I maybe those Kyrie posting uh, pictures of his fans wearing that jerseys. Maybe it's some kind of thank you or troll. Who knows what Kyrie? Kyrie can say one great thing and then the next day be that he he honestly I, I no one can put a finger on him. It's but here's the thing though. I think the Nets' main focus right now, unless they the, they get like a great offer from the Lakers, unless the Lakers, unless Rob Plinka says fuck it. Here are your two first-round draft picks. Their main focus right now is Kevin Durant. Because, and it should be. Now, I want to ask you this about Kevin Durant. And I, I find it, at first I found it kind of odd that no one, that not a lot of suitors are there for Kevin Durant. But the more you think about it, not a lot of teams are going to break up their core for Kevin Durant, who's coming on 34. He's still great, still a top two to three player in basketball. Still putting up great numbers, but he's aging. He's had uh, an Achilles injury, and he the last three years, he's only played a total of 90 games. Do you find it odd that not a lot of suitors are there for Kevin Durant? Um, I found it – I would have found it odd a month ago when the trade request happened because it seemed like, oh, he was going to get traded in the next few days, but – now that time's gone on, I don't see him being traded because of the fact that there's reports that the Nets are asking for the moon, like, and back. Like they're, they're asking for everything from every team. Like, apparently they want an all-star and three or four first-rounders and a couple, like, scrub players like G League just to fill their roster. Like, it, it's insane that anyone would ever trade an all-star on their team and every first-round pick they own for the next few years for a guy who's 34 years old and aging and, like you said, injury-prone. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a huge injury-prone guy. Like, I don't like to use that word a lot. But when you're 34 and you're barely playing any games, whether it's a serious injury that he's had, having or not, like, he can't play a full season anymore. He can't even play – he can barely play half a season now. So, to trade a guy – I'm not saying it's the Bulls who are going to do this, but a guy similar to Zach Levine to a team where he's, like, your first or second best player – all-star. I'm shocked the Bulls are not, like, involved with that. I mean, at the beginning, they sort of kind of were, but now I'm not hearing, like, Katie to the Bulls, like, at all. I I don't think the Bulls – I mean, I think if it were to happen, it would have happened with a sign and trade with Levine, but I don't think – obviously, that's not happening anymore. Levine's been loyal to the Bulls. They're going to be loyal to him. And I don't see us trading off DeMar for um, Katie – that's just me. I don't see it happening. I don't. I don't even know if the Spurs or if the Nets would really want that, um, because I don't, we don't have a crazy amount of picks to give them to, and we have a good enough front office to where they're smart enough to realize, all right, Kevin Durant for Demar and a bunch of firsts doesn't do much for us. Obviously, we're a better team. I don't think we're that. I don't think we're like an, a lock. Like it would have to be a championship or bust year for anyone who's trading that for Kevin Durant. And I don't think that's a smart move for the Bulls in this situation. Because the thing was, the thing that whole started it, that whole um, not not a lot of market value for Kevin Durant was the most insane trade I've ever seen for a defensive player of the year. Now I'm not disrespecting Rudy Gobert; he's a very good player. He's a three-time mm-hmm. defensive player of the year. He's he's well deserved. But I mean. He for all first five, five first round picks and three rotational players for uh, they're they, the guy they just took in the chart in the draft for Walker Rudy Kessler. Gobert. 
Now, look, there's no disrespect to him whatsoever, but he's not worth that. Nobody in their right minds thinks Rudy Gobert's worth all that for a trade. And now he's just going to be in the same situation he was with the Jazz when he was the only defender on the court at all times. He's going to be I, the only I, defender yeah, on the that, court that, for the Timberwolves at all times. I know this is a little late talking about this, but th- th- this doesn't make the Timberwolves. Just because you have Rudy Gobert on your team, it's not going to make you all of a sudden better. That It's just not. I'm sorry, but – it really – you have two big guys. Rudy Gobert in the playoffs has become exposed in the paint. And Carl Anthony Towns, I've always called him like a fake tough guy. You know, so I really just – it made no sense to me. And if they're giving up that much Rudy Gobert, the Nets are saying, wait, if Rudy Gobert is – if they gave up that much for Rudy Gobert, what do you think we have to get to, to get for Kevin Durant? That's what they're thinking. It's like in real estate. Like if one okay house gets huge amount, like, like gets paid way over the market price, what do you think this other palatial house is going to get for it? I think the best example of this situation is Christian Kirk being paid top five wide receiver money this offseason by the Jaguars, and then a team like the Titans moving off of A.J. Brown because they're not going to pay him $30 million a year because now the market's only going up, and these younger, better receivers than Christian fucking Kirk are going to want bags. <laughs> they're they're going to say to the team that's offering the contract, why am I not getting more than – that guy, Christian Kirk. And why am I not getting much more than that guy? That guy stinks. It's like a third receiver on his team. He doesn't stink, but he's he not stink, worth that money. Compared to a guy like A.J. Right. Brown, he's not, not great. You know, he's a solid receiver. He's not going to be a wide receiver one or two on your team. He's being paid like a top five receiver in the league. So that's kind of the situation where you're saying Rudy Gobert, good, not great, phenomenal defender, doesn't touch the ball on offense. You traded, saw the last you just two traded your whole young core, like your whole young role playing core, and a bunch and four first round picks. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, that was crazy to me. And I, and Kevin Durant, we everybody knows what his two preferred choices are: it's Phoenix and then Miami. I, the Phoenix thing is close to as dead as it can be. Right, because ever since they matched that qualifying offer, the, the Phoenix Suns, I uh, yes, they matched that offer, but they really fucked up their whole like kind of relationship with DeAndre Aiden. That whole thing was a mess, and the fact that they they couldn't have just signed him like way before like the 2021 season, where I where after a good playoff run in 2020, they didn't want to give him an extension, and I kind of knew that something was really wrong about that. And suddenly they were saying, okay, we don't want to like, and give up, uh, don't want, didn't want to give up Aiden. And we know Chris Paul's window is kind of close to close as it could be. Devin Booker's still like a, close to a superstar. We still have a chance. Let's keep him. So they matched it. But unfortunately, because of CBA rules, DeAndre Aiden cannot be traded until January 15th per CBA rules. And that really screwed it up because the only way it would have worked for Kevin Durant to the Suns was if there was a sign and trade for Aiton, um, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and their first round picks for Kevin Durant. And, and unless the Nets agreed to Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges campaign, 
and a couple picks, they're not going to do that for Kevin Durant. So I, that whole thing is as close to as dead as possible. People are saying Miami's having a hard time coming up with an offer for Kevin Durant because you can't trade Bam in there because of some confusion, I believe. And I, they're still trying to work something out. Um, but I really – that whole thing that happened yet with DeAndre Ayton really screwed up their chance, the Nets' chances of getting him. And the only option I see is Miami, but they're having a hard time coming up with it. So I'm sure uh, Miami's in on it. I'm sure if Miami was able to, they could do it because, you know, it's Miami. They, that, they just do whatever they want on the, on, in that heat organization to get whoever they want. So I'm sure they're all in on getting Kevin Durant. It's just about figuring out how. And I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible. You don't think it's possible. I think if it was, it would have been done by now. It's been over a month, and now there's reports that KD is going to be on a net. Him and Kyrie might be on the Nets on day one of the regular season. Let me ask you this um, before we dive into our next uh, subject. Do you think that there is, like, I might be in the minority of saying this. I might be just wishful thinking here. But do you think that the Nets want – I'm not saying the Nets – I think the Nets obviously want Kevin Durant. I mean, that's not a question. I mean, I don't think Kevin Durant's going to pout and moan like Ben Simmons did for the Sixers. I think Kevin Durant's yeah, actually – Ben Simmons was on the Nets, by the way. I think Kevin Durant actually is going to compete. He loves ball wherever he goes. But do you think that whatever happens with Kevin or without Kevin, they still want to move Kyrie Irving because um, they're kind of sick of him? I think they're only going to trade Kyrie Irving if Kevin Durant gets traded. I don't think they're going to – if Kevin, let me. So if Kevin Durant gets traded, there's no way they keep Kyrie on that team. Right. There's no way Kyrie's going to play for them if Kevin Durant gets traded. He came back to them, signed that, he signed his option, or he, he bought into his option with the intent to win a championship with Kevin Durant. He did that because he wanted to win with Kevin Durant. Then Kevin Durant, a few days after, is like, you know, fuck this, I'm out. Get me out of this place. I don't want to live here anymore. And now Kyrie's like, wait, what the fuck, Kevin? Like, what, what about me? So I think that's the only reason Kyrie's being shopped is because of a possible KD deal. But I think if KD stays, I don't think the Nets are going to move Kyrie. I think they still believe they can win a championship with them too. And Ben Simmons forgot about him. And then I, I, Sometimes I even forget he's, he's on that team, to be honest with you. That, yeah, yeah, that's one of the weirdest situations. Uh, ben 10. I mean, I, I kind of hope KD and Kyrie get traded so that Ben Simmons is all alone in Brooklyn by himself, and that's what he wanted. He wanted out of Philadelphia. He wanted he wanted this. This is what he got, Ben Simmons. He deserved it, karma. Yeah, he, you absolutely did deserve it, and you are sticking out like a sore thumb wearing clothes on the sidelines, wearing Louis Vuitton uh, hockey, hockey sweats, hockey jerseys on the sidelines while your team is playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to ask you about this, this whole NBA player empowerment movement. We've had multiple discussions on this topic and, and Adam Silver was asked in the yearly NBA governor's meeting in Las Vegas. He was asked about the Kevin Durant, um, essentially the uh, Kevin Durant requesting a trade made it. And he said, it's not good for the league that stars are jumping like this early in their contracts. 
What do you make of that? Do you agree with what Adam Silver's stances are in this player empowerment movement? Um, to an extent. I believe it's fun. Definitely fun because it gives people like us something to talk about when someone's requesting a trade. Like, it would be a boring offseason if shit like this didn't happen. That's why we always get the tweets like the this league. Like, this league's crazy. Like, everything just – it's this crazy is the NBA. NBA. Like, it's the NBA. It's the craziest offseason every year. And the player empowerment, it's hard to stop it if you're a guy like Adam Silver. Because what are you going to say? Like, you can't request a trade. Like, that's tough to do. Players are going to get pissed. I think it's not necessarily bad for basketball. I just think it's bad in general in sports. Because you're a fan of a team. Let's say you're a Nets fan. You get Katie and Kyrie. You're the most excited man in the world. Uh, and two years later, they're both under contract and they both want to leave. And they both get traded because they want to leave. That sucks for the average fan of the NBA. Like, that sucks for the diehard fans of the NBA, the diehard fans of teams. It's just stupid. It's like you should be able to request a trade. And there's nothing really you could do to stop it. I just think it sucks. I think it does suck. I think it makes things fun, gives people something to talk about. But then when the season starts and you're watching the games, you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, why? Like, you forget who's on which team. And luckily, there hasn't really been super teams in the past few years, ever since that Warriors sh- shenanigans. But, I mean, if Kevin Durant's trying to go to a f- number one overall seed right now and gets it done because he has the power, I don't think that's right. I think you're a player. You have your voice, you have your opinions, you have the, you're entitled to yourself, but at the end of the day, you're an employee and not, and if I were to walk into my job and say, I want the, I want to fucking go work at this restaurant, not you guys anymore. It's not like I could just, I'll just get fired. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. Very weird. Cause they're also megastars. So yeah. Well, I, I agree with you to an extent as well. I the, the thing was, when LeBron took his talents to South Beach, I think players w- had this notion that they don't want to be slaves to their contracts. They want to go slaves to like to a place for many years and want to try something different, and give themselves mm-hmm. the best chance to win a championship. And I like that mindset. But the thing is, the difference was between LeBron and KD's situation. LeBron. You can criticize him all you want. I know you're anti-Bron, but at least he plays out his contracts everywhere he goes. He has the right to leave. He has a choice to leave wherever he goes. He always fulfills his contract obligations. If you are a player, if you want to request a trade, then and like at least when you're when you're supposed to leave or want to go when you're supposed to leave, then that's fine. I just have a cup problem with Kevin Durant. The fact that he chooses and the fact that he's that the two teams on his list the Suns is probably close to as gone as possible but let's say that the heat are still in play right say but the still it doesn't look good that you're requesting a trade when you just signed a four-year extension and the fact that you want to go to a place where they were the number one seed last year in the eastern conference and they were one win away from the nba finals 
it's not really like a great look. And it certainly wasn't a good look on your resume that you joined a 73 win team that beat you the year before in the playoffs. So look, I, I think players, they have the right to move and, but to an extent, and if things are not going your way, I don't like how players like, I know we're throwing Ben Simmons under the bus, even though it's kind of rightfully so, but if players are just going to want out and you at least want to play, at least compete, at least try, at least give a fuck to like for your contract. Like at least, if you don't want to do it for your team, at least do it for like the contract. Because if you don't, you sit out, you bitch and you moan. And if you play half ass or like half ass, then no one's going to give a fuck. Like how James, your man James Harden like handled the situation his last two stops before he went to Philly. Like in Houston, he had that like one great game, and then all of a sudden he just bitched and moaned because he wanted to get traded because he wanted to go to Brooklyn. And then when Kevin Durant was out and Kyrie was, you know, the whole New York City mandate, James Harden was like, "Okay, this fucking sucks. Get me out of here now, please." And he fit, and he had a quote unquote hamstring injury. And he didn't want anything to do with that. I don't like how these players are handling leaving. Leaving. I, I respect them for wanting to leave. I'm all for the player empowerment movement. But I'm not for players bitching and moaning and immediately wanting out when things are not going immediately their way. At least stick it out. At least be on the court. Now, you're, Kevin Durant, I do think, is say that he is on the Nets next year with or without Kyrie Irving. He's going to try. I mean, he may not like a situation, but I will at least give Kevin this. He's going to give it 100%. He loves the ball wherever he is. He's a hooper. So I don't think that'll be much of an issue. Mm-hmm. And it, one more point, it's like different than the transfer portal. When you're a college athlete in the NIL, you, you can transfer. I don't have any problem with people transferring if it's for the school matter. Like, because you're young, right? You're not getting paid unless it's the NIL and you're not like you're not getting paid in that sort of thing and I don't really see a problem with you wanting to transfer or anybody wanting to transfer to get themselves the best opposition possible position to succeed I don't have a problem with people wanting a trade Mm -hmm. uh, wanting to transfer sorry Mm -hmm. wanting to transfer college students but Mm -hmm. when you're when you're a pro and you have to honor a contract a contract is a written agreement in place. And if you screw it up, if you want out immediately, that's a bad look on you. So that's just my take on how that whole NBA player empowerment movement is. Yeah, and just one more point on that. I think it's actually hurting the players more than it's helping. Like it's only, we're talking about all these players doing it, but it's only a select few people each year are demanding trades, requesting trades, holding out. Like Ben Simmons doing ran like getting out of contracts doing that whatever. Kevin Durant. And those are the highest paid players in the league that are doing it. So the only, the reason it's hurting the players is because for years and years and years players fought to get more money, fought to get more freedom in the NBA, fought to do this, fought to do that, and they got it. They're getting more money every year. They're getting more empowerment every year, and they're just using it to do what Ben Simmons did. Ben Simmons, what he did is going to hurt players more than it helps, because next time there's a CBA agreement that needs to be made. The next time there's a owners slash Adam Silver versus the NBA thing, right. they're going to say, hey, look, you, we give you all this money. We give you all this. We give you we give Ben Simmons one of the biggest contracts of all time. Look what he does. He doesn't even fucking play for the team. 
he quits on his team, and they're not going to want to give people money. It's only going to hurt NBA players because they're not going to get money because owners and Adam Silver are going to say, look at what you guys do when you get money. You don't help. You don't return the favor to us. We give you hundreds of millions of dollars. So there's hundreds of other players in the NBA that's going to affect, not just the guys who are doing it. Yeah, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Uh, this is like one of the few topics ever where we a thousand percent agree on something. Like it's, it's a terrible look for the league when you don't, when things don't go your way, you just want to sit on the bench wearing um, Cartier watches and Louis Vuitton jackets and just don't want to play. You know or, you, or better yet, want to see some, or better yet, I'm going to wear, I'm going to bring a phone to practice and practice yeah. with a phone in my pocket. You know, it's, you know, it's a fucked up situation when everyone in the world is on the owner's and commissioner's side of things. Usually everyone's on the player's side for everything, like the MLB, but yeah. Um, let's get into Summer League. Uh, there's a championship this week. Um, it's a pretty short season. I didn't even realize how short it was. but it, the, the Summer League, it's only like 10 days. Like it's yeah, it's crazy. I think it should be longer. But, um, we have the Trailblazers versus the Knicks. The Blazers won it in 2018. The Knicks have actually never won the Summer League. Um, you've been there. You've been at the Summer League this year. Uh, do you have any prediction for this game, or we could just kind of talk about Summer League? I mean, I, I would love to, like, just talk about Summer League, the experience, mm -hmm. before we dive into that game. Um, mm -hmm. Summer League was fun. It, it, it really mm -hmm. was. It, it sort of is, like, Disneyland for NBA players. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I can consider that whole yeah. experience for me. It was very cool. In my suite uh, where I was watching the game, I saw Gary Payton. I talked with him. The glove, absolute legend, and Jalen Suggs, great guy. I talked to him for like five, ten minutes. Uh, it was it was a really cool experience and a great like sort of networking opportunity to like network with people in the industry and hear the behind the scenes scoop of what's going on. Because in summer league, you can make an argument that there's just as much action off the court as there is on the court because of executives talking and. I, I took a photo. I didn't, I don't know if I, I probably didn't send this to you, but it was of Sean Marks and Rob Palenka talking. <laughs> I mean, like, it's so cool. Like everybody's eyes are on like what people are talking about. And it, it's, it's a really cool like experience to, mm -hmm. to see what's going on. And when you're in your hotel lobby, you don't, there's an NBA player that pops up. Uh, for instance, I saw Tyrese Maxey, and we were talking for like five, ten minutes, and we got a pick together. Like it, mm -hmm. it was so cool that whole experience. And mm -hmm. as far as the games go, um, the Paolo Bancaro really is impressing me as the number one overall draft pick. Even though he has a high low motor, sometimes he's young. He'll get there. And mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's wise actually the Orlando Magic wanted to just rest him for the rest of the summer league because he has an injury. They don't want to risk it going on into mm -hmm. the, the NBA season. So I think it's wise on their part, if I do say so. Uh, and I, my thing with Chad Holmgren is this, Jordan. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't dislike him, but he's seven foot three or two, seven, let's call him seven, three for just for the flip of the show. <laughs> he's should be dominating, but he first of all he's skinny as like a pogo stick and he doesn't utilize his t his size and his beast 
toughness that he should. He always the, – remember the first game, like, in Salt Lake, he was like, oh, my God, he's worth that pick. In the second game, he was like, oh, he got exposed. Like, here's the thing with him. He doesn't utilize his size to his advantage. He's not really – he's a deep, he's a good defender, but when he chooses to be. Like, he has that mindset to be dominant if he's mentally and physically into it. He just doesn't always show it, in my opinion. But I think the one player besides Bancaro that really stood out to me at Summer League was Keegan Murray. Mm-hmm. Keegan Murray's an absolute stud. Like, there was a game I saw, like, between the Kings and the Magic, and the Kings were up, like, 60 points with, like, three minutes left. And they were up six points with seven seconds left. The Sacramento Kings pulled off like a Reggie Miller. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, not, Where they had like double. six points and like four seconds. Like that's what they did. They made a three, the Kings did, and they stole it and they got it back and they hit another three. Like that was like the best summer league game I ever saw. And and on TV, like and in person, that's that's probably was the best summer league game of all time, to be honest with you. Like that was an absolute incredible game. Like, that whole summer league was fun, and it was good to see. I think this draft class, Jordan, I think they got it right, this draft class. I think it's a really going to be a really good draft class for years. Yeah, and I, it, it raised a lot of eyebrows when Keegan Murray went number four to the Kings. That wasn't really predicted at all. And then when he went to them, it was like, oh, it's a shaky pick. And he's just, well, he scored 20, and he scored 20 or more in five of his six games in the summer league. And – I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, if he doesn't win Summer League MVP, it's the least robbery of all time. Like, he has been undoubtedly the best player. Yeah. It to, like, go back to what you're saying about Chet Holgram. Um, he obviously was unbelievable in that first game. Um, and and everyone was got, saying, oh, my God, he should have gone one. That's yeah, what I think. exactly. And then he went out in the second game and got exposed, like you said, by – he was getting exposed by Summer League bigs. Who just well, needs their strength? He's being exposed by sh- summer league bigs. Yes, bigs who are strong. Obviously, they're NBA caliber bigs. Look at him in the NBA. He's going to go against guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, guys like like even Andre Drummond can bitch him. Like it's bigger guys in the NBA, and MB. I don't think people realize that. Yeah, like when he went off in that first game. Look who he was against. He wasn't against big, strong, physical NBA players. And he has a target on his back. He put a target on his back when he said he's going to be the best player in the league in a, in a few months. He put a target on his back when he said he's going to break more summer league records. Well, People man. want to go at Chet Holmgren. No one's scared of Chet Holmgren. Look at him. No one's scared to go up against him. If they get blocked, they get blocked. They go right back at him. It's not like it's physically draining. Like, I don't – I was very low on him going into the draft. That first game had me like, whoa. But now he kind of, he kind of plateaued a little bit. And it's like, all right, he's a normal guy. He's not a freak. Like, hey, he totally could be. He has the potential to be a guy like KD or Giannis, who's just a seven-foot freak of nature athlete who can score at will. But I don't see that in him. I don't think he has that dog in him right now. Uh, and I still think Paolo Boncaro is the number one overall pick in that draft. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. But the other person that had a target on his back was Benedict Matherin when he said that LeBron's gonna have to show he's better than me. That's that's the one. Person. I don't I don't know if that's a target on your back. I think that's just a guy being confident. And yeah, he was asked about LeBron. And he, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. I, I'm gonna trust me on this one. I'm gonna be watching a lot of Pacer games now because of him. 
Yeah, that's yeah. And I'm whenever I don't know when the schedules come out, but whoever's on the Laker roster, like, I'm just ready for the Indiana Pacer games for a lot of reasons. But uh, now getting back to uh, better, to um, Chet Holmgren, yeah, I agree with you on that one. If he's gonna go up, if he's gonna get exposed in summer league to like decent bigs. Imagine what he's going to go up against Rudy Gobert, like, and be down low. Uh, Jokic, like, you can at least get past Jokic, I think, because yeah. Jokic is not the best defender. But Jokic will just go right at him and just expose him down low. Like, you're going to get exposed against these high-quality bigs. Yeah, like, he gets a lot of blocks, but that doesn't make you a great defender. You know, right. you Drummond get gets he's blocked, but he, I don't consider Drummond, like, a great defender. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? All right, um, let's get into our last kind of – we have a little segment, you know, like we always did in the NFL season. We always had a good segment. Well, there's 54 days until the NFL season Yes, starts. sir. 54, 54 days until football. That How is many Sundays is that, seven? I think so. We're very close. We're very close. It's that very time of the close. year where you start doing a very fantasy close. mock draft. Scott Hansen on my TV. Cannot wait to have Scott Hansen on my TV. So okay. – this is our last segment. We're going to go with the most dominant player by position in the NFL. There was something released by Bleach Report on it. We want to make kind of our own now that it's kind of in the news. Um, I say we just go with quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then defense. I don't think we really need to do like goal line or specific yeah. defensive position. Even though the O line is very hard. I mean, we both, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys O lineman like Zach Martin, uh, Tyron Martin, Smith. Yeah. Like, those wow. guys are, like, high profile. The 49ers yeah. offensive Trent line, Williams. like, Trent Williams, like, those are, like, great offensive lines. Yeah, so Whoa. shout out offensive line, but just one, two, three, only four offensive positions, and then just defense. So, the, we're doing quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Tight end, and then defense. Well, and, and some defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll do mine. Uh, yeah, start off with – we'll start off with quarterback. You can go first with quarterback. Okay, I thought about this long and hard last night, and the quarter, the best quarterback right now in football is Patrick Mahomes. I consider him the best quarterback right now because of that that game he had against Buffalo and that crazy overtime game just solidified that he's the best quarterback right now. It's really between him and A-Rod, I would say, but because of the upside and because Patrick Mahomes has, is, has a lot to prove – now that Tyreek's out, I think he's going to have a monster year. I'm not saying he's going to win MVP. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to go all the way. I, I don't see that. But I think that she, with Patrick Mahomes, I think he's going to do very well this year. And he's going to put up great numbers with or with with that, with that who he has. He's still got 87 on his team, which truly helps. So I'm going to say Pat Mahomes as my quarterback. My running back. Uh, I'm not going to piss you off today, so I'm going to be non-biased and just totally real. It's Derrick Henry. He's, yeah. the, <laughs> he's the best running back in football. Uh, I, I, like Jonathan, I like JT a lot, but he's JT's not great. great. He's not great. great. Yeah, he's just not – I don't think he's as dominant because it's the most dominant. I mean, most dominant probably means best, but I'm just saying, like, Derrick Henry is the most dominant NFL player probably in the league. Wide receiver – Ah, it's been, it was a close toss-up, but um, I'm going to go with the guy that just was the Super Bowl MVP and was just the Super Bowl and just was, like, set multiple wide receiver records this past last year. The guy who's going to – who earned his bag 
the guy that's going to be on a pace to have another great year with his buddy Matt Stafford. And I'm going to take Cooper Cup as my wide receiver. And you want me to do another wide receiver or a tight end? Uh, just do a tight end, yeah. Do a tight, tight end. This is an easy one for me. I'm going to go with number 87. I mean, he, he's just absolutely a beast right now. And he, the Mahomes to Kelsey, like, game against Buffalo was just poetry in motion for me. He still is the best tight end in football, uh, despite being hurt. Like, even though he had a down year compared to others in fantasy in previous years, he's still really good. And I think he's still the best one. Some people can make a case it's Kittle, but I would choose Travis Kelsey, number 87 for Kansas City. Uh, go with the defender. One last one. Oh, the defender? This is an easy one for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the most dominant player in the NFL, not quarterback. I'm going to go with the beast. I'm going to go with Aaron Donald. I mean, because what else? I mean, the guy's yeah, best just... player of the year. He's the guy yeah. who just wrecked, wrecked havoc. Guy who some people thought should have won Super Bowl MVP. Guy who is dominant in all playoffs. The guy who, whenever he's on your TV screen, he just jumps off your TV screen and just absolute wrecks opposing players. And he's worth that contract. He's probably going – he's right there now with Lawrence Taylor as among the greatest defensive players of all time. I'm going to go with him easily. He's the most dominant player right now in the NFL is Aaron Donald. All right. Uh, I mean – I have a few disagreements, but I think that the ones that I do disagree on, they're probably number two for me on the most dominant. So my quarterback is actually Tom Brady. Wow. We're talking about most dominant player. He is so dominant in the fact that he can know what a defense is doing before the defense knows what they're doing. Like he can go up to the line, see the defense and say, okay, I know what I'm doing here. And while he's lost a bit of his arm strength, he's lost a bit of his just throwing ability. Like, you know, he's not as good as he was, but, he still put up phenomenal numbers last year at age 43 or whatever he is, 44, I don't even know. He's ranked 45. And on yeah, jeez. And I think it's just the pure dominance of the fact that he knows what the defense is going to do before it happens and can just do what he wants with them. Uh, I think that's why he's the most dominant quarterback. Um, running back, obviously, Derrick Henry. Um, oh, King Henry! He's the, he's the best running back in football. He's the most dominant running back in football. He wears down a defense like no other. He's not going to get, like, in the first half, he might not do anything. And then the second half, he just runs all over your defense because he dominated them. He worked them all game. Um, wide receiver, I'm going to agree with you. Again, Cooper Cup. I think a lot of people think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. Whether that's true or not, Cooper Cup's the most dominant because Cooper Cup can get open whenever he wants. He can wear down your defense. But it's not like every single receiving record last year. <laughs> yeah, he, just, he gets open at will. Like, it was so crazy to watch. He's just open every play. The reason he's getting 10-plus catches a game for 150 yards. And he wants guess to who he burned in the Super Bowl last year? Guess who, he, guess who he burned in that final play? Eli Apple. <laughs> <laughs> um, tight end. I'm going to have to actually go with a different one here. Kelsey was definitely my number two, but George Kittle. I think George Kittle's most dominant tight end in football because of the fact that he can block better than anyone. He blocks like an O-lineman and receives like a receiver. When he's healthy, he's dominant. Uh, that's also if he's healthy because, you know, he's had a lot of injury issues over the past few years. But I think when healthy, he's the most dominant tight end in football. We saw that last year when he played. 
Um, and then defense, it's a tough one for me, but I'm going to go with TJ Watt because he played over Aaron Donald. TJ Watt barely played half the season last year and led the league in sacks. Imagine if he played 17 games. Like, that is an absurd thing to do. He's batting balls at the line. He's Aaron Donald went quiet for half the season last year. TJ Watt, when he played, was all-out dominance. Aaron Donald in the playoffs obviously was great, but I'm going to have to go with TJ Watt there. It might be controversial, but my quarterbacks, Tom Brady's one, then I'd have Mahomes two. You took Mahomes. Uh, Kittle, I'd probably put We're, like, two. in the same ballpark. I yeah, and TJ Watt, I'd put Aaron Donald number two. So, I mean, like, not really – I mean, I'm not, like, hating on your picks. I mean, I just – just we're, my personal preference. We're both, on like, we're both like in the same ballpark, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm just so excited for the NFL. I, I just more I to talk about. Give us more can't. to talk about, you know. It gives us more to talk about. And it's just, I love waking up and just only football, you know. Because right now we're kind of at a dead spot where it's only a summer. MLB. And there's some golf, but like I don't pay attention to it. And there's, mm-hmm. and we're just, I'm just waiting. Uh, so let me just check to see if there's any Kyrie tweet, Kyrie to Laker thing. Well, oh. Actually, there was just a big update on Juan Soto, the Nationals' young star. Just yeah. turned down a 15-year, $440 million deal from the Nationals. He rejected the biggest contract ever. Oh, my God. What? So he's probably going to get traded. He, want, he, he wants out of there, man. That's Nationals crazy. are in a tough spot. He won a, he won a World Series with them when that, like, that his first year, but that is that's crazy, crazy to me. Well, thank you, uh, thank you to my uh, guy Jordan Goodhart for once again being on this. I know you're very busy getting ready for uh, going back to camp for visiting weekend. Thanks for joining the Alta Dome podcast, and uh, I like to thank our sponsor Brain Fuel for our new sponsor. I like to thank uh, shout out to um, Colton Horn and his father, Doctor Horn, for this opportunity. We thank we can't thank you enough for this. Thank you all for listening to another edition of the Off the Dump podcast. This is available on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. And have yourselves a nice day and go get them.